everybody. Welcome back to another episode of But Why the Podcast. And today we are talking about the best-selling boy band in history, the Backstreet Boys. As always, I'm Kate and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? I'm Matt. Hello. And we have a special guest, Manny Bettas, Associate Community Manager at Bethesda and a Backstreet Boys fan. Hello. I am both of those things and I'm very happy to be here. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, oh, thank you for, for coming, coming on. on. Of course. That was eerie. I know. That was the one time I, I, we didn't like get out of sync. <laughs> I'm surprised. Like you guys rehearsed it. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Like the Backstreet Boys. Great segue. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so before we get started, I do want to go ho- go ahead and say we are nearing our 100th episode. If you're listening to this right now, we want your questions, whether it's a question for me, whether it's a question for Adrian, Matt, or all three of us, send them in to us at But Why Though, oh wait, oh crap, yeah, at But Why Though PC on Twitter or any other social media, as well as you can email them to butwhythoughpodcast at gmail.com. We are going to attempt to make a drinking game out of them for the 100th episode, and we will have a moderator. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Send us your questions. That sounds awesome. Right? That sounds so fun. (laughs) Can you DM on Pinterest? Can they DM us on Pinterest? I I don't know. I don't believe so. Uh, please, well, don't de- please don't DM me on Pinterest. Slide into the Pinterest DMs. <laughs> yeah, slide into slide Matt's Pinterest in DMs. <laughs> uh, it's okay. LinkedIn is... Oh, do we, have, we have a LinkedIn. We do have a LinkedIn. Nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the <sighs> big question this episode is, who? what is your favorite Backstreet Boy song or favorite Backstreet Boy? Or if you have neither of those things, how did you know about them? Well, I'm going to start off with first going, I want to know why Manny's here for his love of Backstreet Boys. Because Kate always forgets that. Kate's like, we've got a guest on. And I'm like, well, why did we bring on you? Bring on you? Why did we 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 bring on you? (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Um, I, yeah, I remember, so I remember Kate, I think, tweeting about this. And she was like, hey, we're going to do a Backstreet Boys episode. Does anybody else really love the Backstreet Boys? And I, I, don't think I hesitated for a minute. And I was just like, I mean, there's just no other candidate. Um, yeah, I grew up just absolutely obsessed with the Backstreet Boys. Um, having two older sisters who were really into them, it just kind of influenced me. And growing up in the 90s, um, you know, I feel like there's two schools. It was like you're either in sync or you're Backstreet Boys. And, you know, through, I guess, socialization through my sisters, I just, I was super into them. Um, I remember like getting their albums like for Christmas. And so I, yeah, they were just like a huge part of my like music taste when I was, when I was a kid. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about them. Cause I haven't since like, I don't know, 1999. <laughs> <laughs> was great. So I will say this, there are statistics to back up that Backstreet Boys won that battle. So yeah. When you say. said that in the beginning, I was like, I hope she has proof. Cause oh I would- yeah. I'm going to then take that proof to a lot of people I know. <laughs> I got the numbers. Good. <laughs> okay, so let's start with you then. What we, uh, What's your favorite Backstreet Boys song? Okay. Your favorite Backstreet Boy? And yeah, you don't have to do the other one because I know you like them. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I think my favorite song is uh, Everybody, in, and then in parentheses, Backstreet's Back. Uh, I think it was like, I think it was their first album. Maybe it was their second. Um, and I have a story to go with why it's my favorite. Uh, I, my family like moved around a lot when I was a kid. 
And so I was never really like at one school for like many years. And so I didn't like grow up with like that one group of friends. Um, and so when I was, what year, that was fifth, when I was in fifth grade, I was a new student at this school. Uh, and, you know, that's like hard in a lot of ways, but I, you know, sort of brought my love of Backstreet Boys with me. And uh, I decided, I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to sign up for this talent show. And lacking many talents, I was like, the one thing I do know is every Backstreet Boys song. And so I don't even know, I, I don't think I approached it as like, I'm going to lip sync to the Backstreet Boys. I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to put this song on and I'm just going to do what I do in my room. I'm just going to like dance around and pretend like I'm one of them. And I did that song and it was, it was towards the end of the year. So I think it was like, you know, I kind of had a, a developed friend group, but there were still a lot of people I didn't know and still a lot of people I wasn't close with. Uh, and then at the end of that, at the end of that performance and, you know, I just, I was just like, again, I was just like, screw it. I'm going to put myself out there. At the end of that performance, I got like, people were literally chanting my name and they, and like, I got an encore, which was like, I think I peaked. I think I made a peak in fifth grade. Uh, it was so cool. And I just like have this super fond memory of being like, hell yeah. Like I just killed it. And I did it again. They, they like wanted me to do the exact same thing again. And I didn't have anything choreographed. I just like bounced around the stage. I was like 90 pounds or something. Um, and so, yeah, I just have that like really fond memory of that song. Uh, and yeah, that's gotta be my favorite. And then I think, um, as far as which one of them is my favorite, I, I'm going to say Howie, um, because I remember learning that he was half Puerto Rican and as a Puerto Rican for me, that was like, oh my God, like this is a dude in a boy band who's Puerto Rican. Like that, like it was just, it was the most, it was the purest form of like, this is a thing that I love. And it's a thing that I feel very represented by. Um, and I remember like my friends who were also into the Backstreet Boys, I would always like go out of my way to make sure they knew that he was Puerto Rican uh, <laughs> to like connect the dots. I was like, he's Puerto Rican, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm kind of like a Backstreet Boy. Uh, so it was cool to have that connection. So I'm going to say Howie, yeah. So that one, is... why do we not lead with this story? We won't do the rest of the podcast. <laughs> we're done. We keep that's it podcast. yeah i think like out of all of the guests we've ever had like that's the deepest connection of like why somebody <laughs> loves something like ever and it's Alex funny is because, gonna like, at you. when i was going over the notes i was i was reading them on the train on my way home from work and i was listening to them to their music and i was like what is my favorite song and that i had totally like not not intentionally but that memory had just kind of like slipped away and so i like everything i just said like i kind of just came to realize today which was really cool um because i had never really thought about it that way when i was a kid obviously um so it was cool to like have that process as like an adult now it was very fun uh so yeah i just love the Backstreet boys you know so now I'm assuming, we... assuming sadly there's no video of this right yeah you know you're not the first person to ask and like i would like to th there was other parents there and so I'd like to think someone has a video. And I also like to think that like their parents watch me and not their own kid. But I'm not gonna, you know, I, don't have any, I don't have any proof for that. So uh, yeah, if I ever find it, I'll I'll put it out there on the well, internet. Well, the sad point is that is the age where I think a parent would watch another kid's like talent show. They know their talent, their other child hasn't peaked yet. <laughs> yeah. this, this guy got an encore. <laughs> yeah. Why can't you more like Manny in 1999 or whatever? <laughs> yeah. So I will say, now that we know that you were pretty much a Backstreet Boy for a night, um, Adrian, you want to go next? Uh, yeah, can you top that? Like, I want to know if you can top that. Yeah. Uh, 
is is bye 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 in sync or Adrian, no, I'm, I'm gonna I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. Computer. Oh, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. He's like Justin Timberlake is my dad. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm like going through this stuff because I always get confused, and I think I'm definitely in the in sync camp. I know more songs from them, but who? Is like a fan of Bookler Nine Nine and doesn't like "I Want It That Way" by the Backstreet Boys. That's like the best one, maybe because all the memes. It's just too. It's too good. Uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine put that song on a whole other level for me because that scene is amazing. Um, I really don't know anything outside of that, other than like I know that they're a thing, and I don't know. Yeah, they're a bunch of white guys and a puerto rican guy and uh, i don't really know anything else other than that (laughs) yeah i just know there's a big battle so that's the the part that i'm most excited about of like hearing the in-seek backstreet boys battle because i'm going through the names of the backstreet boys and i feel like i know more of the in-sync people just like culturally that also might be because i like in-sync more i don't know but I'm excited to hear about it. It could also be because InSync broke up and they all started just taking deals to go do random stuff on their own. Yeah, I was yeah. Like, wouldn't that make them bigger? I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? No, because all of them, but Justin Timberlake uh, did not do anything. They just oh, had like, right. they're like, you're going to go on Celebrity Fit Camp and you're going to go on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. <laughs> and then wasn't one of them like, he wanted to be an astronaut or something? Like, didn't Lance? Yeah. Yeah, I think Lance was an astronaut. <laughs> When was, the last, when was the last time we we, we we talked about Aaron Carter? Uh, he wasn't in the Backstreet Boys. Oh, why is Aaron Carter on? Oh, he was just in the also, Associated. Also, he, he's a brother. Um, and also, they still sell out cruises and auditoriums. So. Oh. Wait a minute. Time out. Why? So we hit the point where they're just doing cruises? No, no, no. <laughs> they they actually have full world tours, a residency in Vegas, and do cruises. Yeah, I actually saw it. They're going to be in D.C. in July, and I might get some tickets, so. What you is should. what is the movie like where they all come and do the oh no fuck this is the end yeah is that is that this is the end it's in the notes but yes yeah, yeah. that's got the memes I think fantastic. yeah and when I, I watched the it in the theater everybody lost their crap and started singing along and it was great yeah that's awesome Matt I don't have a favorite song um I definitely don't. We know why I'm here at this point. Um, <laughs> I don't know much of the Backstreet Boys. They existed. I remember growing up with them. I remember my cousins loving them. They were definitely a big thing. I definitely don't understand why people actually think NSYNC was better than them, which is kind of weird to me. Besides Justin Timberlake, I don't remember anything else about NSYNC. But overall, um, I I want it. What was it? Um, I want it that way, that Adrian song. I remember that one. And whatever the big song, which basically probably the reason why I think being celebrated from the 1999 album. Millennium? Yes. Everybody? No, 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 not that one. Which one? Uh, Bashy's Back? Sure. Wait. I don't think it's it because I thought that was Larger Than Life. Huh? Larger Than Life? Yes. Great tune. Yes, that one. Yeah, Larger Than Life, yeah. And I think that's just basically been ingrained in every child or any person that was alive during that time that was making memories. And so I think we have to accept that that's just like that. <laughs> yep. But still, besides that, I'm still intrigued. That music video that, is dope. Oh, it's amazing. They are so extra in that music video. Yeah. I'm still fascinated that Manny got an encore as a fifth grade. <laughs> I was wearing a visor. I remember that. Oh, oh my gosh. Did you have jorts? 
I probably had jorts. I don't know. We can, yeah. I'll, I'll put, I'll implant that into the memory. I had jorts. Oh God! Um, don't go, don't go back and rewatch that video, guys. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. But that's was like it peak. an upside down visor? That's that's. I don't think it was. 90s. I think it was sideways visor, probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Um. So for me. Uh, I have at every this last two years we've been going to like uh, karaoke bars and stuff at conventions and everything. Every time I have gone into one, I sing a Backstreet Boys song because I have to. It's necessary. Um, my favorite Backstreet Boy. It's been a long road to get to this point as to which one is my favorite because it like fluctuated over the years. Um, but Kevin, because he has aged like a fine wine and he has the best voice. Um, and my favorite song is actually As Long As You Love Me because it's the music video where hey, they have the chair dancing. That's right. They do the chair dancing. And it's so good because they they like they do um like they're all doing chair dancing and then they start swapping them out like seamlessly like uh AJ turns into Nick, turns into Howie, turns into Kevin and it's it's yeah. really cool and uh I may have watched my cousin really really hurt herself as we were trying to choreograph that dance sequence. Nice. Nice. So um yeah. I, I love them. I, I would say every time we're in a store or a restaurant or a club or anything, Matt, just kind of like the moment it starts playing, there are two things. If it is Selena or if it is the Backstreet Boys, I'm just going to start singing out loud and you're going to have to deal with it. Um, That's a good policy to have. I support that. <laughs> so Matt, just kind of like, it's your song. I'm going to sit here. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and eat. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but I did realize the other day and, and today, but like, it was probably about a year ago I was going through, for some reason, I just was listening to them on Spotify and it was like muscle memory listening to all of them. Cause I was like, Oh crap. I still remember all of the words to all of these songs. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I was like mouthing the words on the train. And then, uh, I remember kind of scrolling through Spotify and like looking at their album covers and the woman next to me, I don't know if she knew who the Backstreet Boys were. She was a little older, uh, but she definitely like, I kind of caught her like looking at my phone and like reacting to it. So hopefully she was like, did this guy just discover the Backstreet Boys? <laughs> um, but I, I don't know what she was thinking. So who knows? Oh gosh. Okay. Um, so we're going to go into history. It's kind of convoluted because it's everywhere. The Backstreet Boys have a really weird trajectory in that they were around for a lot longer than what the u.s got them for um so the backstreet boys came together like this howie durow and aj mclean were natives to orlando florida and they ended up meeting each other um they worked at uh, theme parks i think i think it was disney world that they worked at and then they ended up meeting each other. Then Nick Carter ended up getting into the band through auditions. And then the three of them, realizing that they could harmonize together, decided to do a trio group. So for the long for for a long while before Backstreet Boys became a thing, um, AJ, Howie, and Nick all worked together harmonizing and doing acapella stuff. And then um, cousins, because Kevin Richardson and Brian Luttrell look nothing like each other, but are, in fact, first cousins. Yep. Um, they're both Southern boys from Lexington, Kentucky, uh, who sang in their church choirs and festivals when they were kids. Um, ended up moving to Orlando in 1990. 
And Kevin specifically worked at Walt Disney World. Um, and the funny thing, fun fact is how he actually played Aladdin and sang as Aladdin it, at Walt Disney World when he was there. Um, they event they started meeting each other, and all of them kind of formed their group. Um, in 1992, uh, Lou Pearlman, who we're going to get into a lot about later because this dude is terrible. Um, in 1992, Luke Perlman placed out an ad in the Orlando Sentinel to compose a vocal group. He also founded NSYNC, which we're going to talk about later, and he also ran a Ponzi scheme that resulted in $300 million in debt, um, initially screwing over boy bands, but also a whole bunch of other people, which we'll get into later. Um, now, the order that they came into the group was AJ was first, Nick was second, or um, AJ was first, Nick. Howie and Kevin came in next, and then Brian came in last. Their age range was from 13 to 21, with Nick being the youngest, Brian being the oldest. Um, and so they pretty much had a widespread. Which is, which I, I feel like we should take a moment to appreciate, because like, what 21-year-old, and, and I gather that these guys were all pretty mature for their age, if they were able to like, kind of get their act together. But, like, it's just funny that, like, a 21-year-old and a 13-year-old were like, come on, man, let's do this, like, side hustle together. All right. That and is actually really weird to think about. Yeah, yeah, like, that's a huge age spread. And it's also, like, a spread in which, like, lifestyles are very different. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, the things that 21-year-olds think about are very different from the things that 13-year-olds think about <laughs> and do, you know? There are... They're actually... brought that up and not me, so we're good. <laughs> well, there are actually videos of them uh, auditioning, or not auditioning, but like uh, rehearsing in Florida. And it's weird because, one, the fashion, oh, God, the 90s. Oh, crazy. Really bad. But the funny thing is, is you have like all of them looking one way, and then you have Nick rehearsing in a Lion King t-shirt. That's and so it just funny. kind of like pointed out how young he was compared yeah. to the other ones. He's like, what are you talking about? Lion King's a great movie, everyone. <laughs> and it was one of those, like, tie-dye Lion King t-shirts where, like, it was, like, orange and brown tie-dye <laughs> with the Lion King on front. It was it was so good. Um, I also watched the Backstreet Boys documentary today, and that is how I have that knowledge. Um, it's on Amazon Prime right now, so you can go watch that, too. <laughs> um, uh, the band officially formed on April 20th, and that is their anniversary date. Um, Pearlman decided to call them the Backstreet Boys after Orlando's Backstreet Market, an outdoor flea market near the International Drive, which was also a teen hangout. Um, and so I got two questions real fast. One, they were named after a flea market. And then yes. two, why are teenagers hanging out at a flea market? I don't know. It was Florida. And the 90s were crazy, man. <laughs> you never hung out at flea markets? I remember the 90s. I do not remember hanging out at flea markets. It's also funny because I feel like the term teen hangout just isn't a thing anymore. No. Like te a teen hangout is like Fortnite, basically. Yeah, that, that's actually fair. Mall rats yeah. are kind of not really a thing. Yeah. Well, they're actually not allowed in malls anymore, so that'd be why. Well, also, um... malls are dying, but still. <laughs> changes, oh, changes have come. <laughs> What was what was your other thing? Oh no, that those were your things, right? <laughs> those are both things. Yeah, they were both things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the ad that they answered in 1993 was for a singing group that would look that would look like New Kids on the Block, but could sound like Boys to Men. Uh, Boys to Men. 
and to kind of just put that if you know what neither of those bands are or sound like boys to men are renowned for their singing um they also do vocal harmony they sing a cappella all the time they're and then new kids on the block they lip synced a whole bunch but they were really really hot so no i saw the south park episode on how you made a boy band <laughs> yeah. Yeah, i'm glad you put accurate. this in here because at the top of the show i was gonna say there's a bunch of white dudes who wanted to be boys to men and i'm glad that was an accurate thing i thought and not just like a dig at Backstreet Boys. So thank yeah, you for totally validating. Yeah, they totally had the aim of being the yeah, white version awesome. of Boys to Men. <laughs> Not only was that kind of their like vibe, they were like, they answered an ad for it. Yep. That was like, hey, we need some white kids to be the white version of black, uh, Boys to Men. And they were like, oh yeah, that's us. We should probably <laughs> do that. We can nail that. We can nail yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> and so the way it ends up now, I do want to say, obviously, new kids on the block are like the quintessential backstreet like uh, the quintessential boy band for the 80s and they established a lot of the boy band tropes but when uh when the backstreet boys are coming up that really isn't around that much like the 90s is a different different turn to me in music so what ends up coming down and this is what happens to the Backstreet Boys and where each of the guys fall in on their tropes is pretty much what sets up for all of the boy bands that we get in the 2000s after them. And so you have Brian, who's like the sweet, wholesome guy. Um, Howie is like the sexy, of course, Latin lover guy. Um, Nick is the baby of the group. Kevin is put the old guy, but like he he's the mature one. Yeah, he is he has the deepest voice. He's like the suave one, and then AJ is the bad boy. AJ is and and they described him like this in the documentary, like the other guys did. He was the guy who wanted to be a rock star, but totally just ended up in a boy band. <laughs> um, and their first performance was held in SeaWorld, Orlando, May eighth of nineteen ninety three. Um. So at the time, radio was really focused on grunge and hip hop. Um, and so there was really no way for them to actually get traction in the U.S. Um, but they could make it in Europe because Europe had just started going through their boy band phase, which the U.S. had had the decade prior. So in June of 1995, the group flew to Sweden to record some songs with Max Martin and Dennis Pop, including We've Got It Going On, which is very different sound than anything they produce after that but you should listen to it because it's really good and they rock like a leather jean jacket combo in the music video yep um it is iconic <laughs> um and ended up being their first single and we've got it going on was sent to radio in august of 1995 and released a physical single on september 5th 1995 Essentially what happened, and this was what the other bullet point was for, um, that song didn't really end up doing much in the U.S., but it did a whole bunch in Europe. Um, ultimately, the group finished recording their first album, self-titled Backstreet Boys, in April of 1996, and it was released internationally that May, excluding the U.S. and Canada, but Canada did end up getting them later on that year. Um, so they're not even really in the U.S. per se, officially. Like they have some, they have a single out, they have stuff going on, but it's they're That's not where they're trying to make their mark. Um, their yeah. popularity. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say it's funny because, like, I remember 
we've got it going on coming or like gaining popularity like later in the 90s mm-hmm. and so when you were like it was a 1993 song i was like that doesn't line up but that don't make total sense that like it took them a while to get to the u.s and i remember like because we we used to like record the backstreet boys music videos on vhs tapes yeah um and i remember watching we got it going on for the first time when it was on mtv and i was like wait they look really different in this video mm. why don't they look like they did in this other video <laughs> right because it was um, earlier because it was old <laughs> That's so funny um as their popularity grew in your uh, Europe, they uh, Europe. Um, another single from that album, "I'll Never Break Your Heart," reached gold status in Germany, selling two hundred fifty thousand copies, and they were voted number one international group in Germany in nineteen ninety six. They also earned their first plas- platinum record in Germany that same year for selling five hundred thousand copies of their debut album. And shortly after, they began to tour Asia and Canada. Um, which I'll Never Break Your Heart is also a really good song. It's a great tune. Um, next, we have Quit Playing Games with Your Quit Playing Games, parentheses, with My Heart. Uh, originally released in Europe as their fourth single in October 1996, ended up getting released in the U.S. in May of 1997 for, as a lead-in into their upcoming self-titled U.S. debut album. And it ended up being, it ended up, managing to climb to number two on the billboards top 100 and that song eventually earned them a platinum award for selling over 1 million copies um so so i do have a question though because obviously this is weird do we have this anymore where like you can actually like be like getting a platinum album in germany but nobody in the u.s actually has heard of you i don't know that's a good question like are you talking about just germany or like no, I'm missing general. Like they have a, they basically had a platinum album in Europe or Germany, basically, and the U.S. still has no idea that these people even exist. Does yeah. K-pop and J-pop have platinum albums? Well, I mean, but we all know they exist at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, like, overall, it's like you you have somebody being super big in another place and us not alone. I mean, I would say yes because I don't know what the hell the UK's like charts are. That's true. <laughs> I, I know Adele. I mean, I guess that's fair, but it's just one of those, because you guys talked about, like, oh, I love this song, but then I realized it was three years, it came out three years prior, and I never even heard of it, and I don't know if we actually have that anymore. Well, I would say we would, because I, like, Adele put out, like, I think she put out, like, two albums before she actually started getting play in the U.S., and then they did re-releases of it. Interesting. I'm pretty sure. Which is, like, kind of surprising, given, given, like like online streaming services and youtube and like social media like you would think that if somebody pops up in whatever like sweden and they're hyper talented like kind of everyone would hear about them but i guess you know the language barrier kind of plays against that as well but yeah that's really interesting well and well and that's the other thing too is like the backstreet boys learned german just so that they could like hit on girls and get around germany when they were there that's so funny but they only sang in english so they huh. didn't try to do it so they could order food. It was so they could hit on girls. That's what they said in the like, documentary. We're really hungry, but I think you're very pretty. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, hold on. Let's see. Who is the number one selling artist in the UK right now? Uh, number one artist or number one single in the UK top forty is "Someone Someone You Love" by Louis Capaldi. Huh. 
Bad Guy by Billy Elish. Giant Oat by Kevin Harris and Rag, uh, Rag and Bone Man. Just You and I by Tom Walker. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Beer cards by the good boys Medusa. I knew one of those people. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's really surprising. But yeah, I had never heard of any of those folks. Yeah, and the number yeah. one's been there for 15 weeks. So it's not like they just like kind of popped up. They've Damn. kind of been there for a bit. Yeah, I totally get your question, though, Matt. Like, it makes sense. You would think that, like, we would be way more connected, like, with that. Oh, because Manny's like, I was just on the train pulling up in Spotify. So I just feel like people would be like, oh, yeah, I can look at the top 100. I know who these people are, and that wouldn't happen. So, but apparently we have no idea who's playing. Yeah. yeah. If, yep. you look at, if you look at the best albums, it's the same, basically the same people Mike and the Machines, Circa Waves, Tom Walker, and the greatest showman original motion picture soundtrack <laughs> is <laughs> <inside>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I nine weeks in chart. I know you, Jackman. <laughs> Yeah. I know Circa Waves. Yeah, so I don't know any of these people. I know Circa Survived. Does that count? No, I know Circa Waves. <laughs> uh, that's because you also listen to like the FIFA soundtrack, even when you... Oh, FIFA has yeah. such good soundtracks. They have three, uh, three movie soundtracks in their top ten best-selling albums for the UK. What are the other two? Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star is Born. Okay, Bohemian Rhapsody doesn't what? count, because that's just a Queen album. <laughs> 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 Oh, anyway, back to my boys. Every week to clean up. Cool. Back to my boys. <laughs> um, so they began working on their second album, like I said, um, and ba- called Backstreet's Back, and that was released in October of 1986 and released internationally, with the exception of the U.S. in 1997. Um. So, yeah, the U.S. still doesn't get stuff at this point. Um, The U.S.'s, their U.S. self-titled debut peaked at number four on the U.S. album chart and eventually sold 14 million copies. Um, The most successful singles from Backstreet's Back and the U.S. debut album were Everybody, Backstreet's Back, for reasons. Um, They also have an amazing music video that if you've never seen, you should see and watch it in its, like, eight-minute entirety. That's That's the one where they, like... Go to the haunted house and have a dream. Yep. That music video is amazing. It's so it, it holds up. Yeah, it really. Can we quickly just like explain the music video for yes. like oh, folks who don't know? Go for yeah. it. So there. Oh, if I remember, can we explain what a music video is? Yes, <laughs> for the youngins, a music video is like a very short movie that plays during the length of a song, and oftentimes the artists of the song are singing it in the movie. Uh, and they used to be awesome Uh, so this one if I remember correctly they were in their tour bus Mm -hmm. and their tour bus broke down in some creepy woods because apparently that's a thing that happened and uh, they were like I think the driver was like hey guys there's an old creepy house that I don't own we should stay here for the night and everyone's like sounds good we're famous people so I guess we're invincible so they all sleep in this creepy house and no music is playing at this point. It's like a cinematic opening to this music video. And uh, they fall asleep, and the last shots of them falling asleep, like, they're all kind of scared, I think. Um, and then they wake up, and they're all, like, different classic monsters. So, like, Nick is a mummy. Howie's a vampire. Yep. Uh, uh, Kevin is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. yeah. 
I forget what Brian's AJ the Wolfman. Yeah, Brian AJ is the is Wolfman. Phantom of the Opera. Exactly. So is this and, a Michael uh, Jackson video? No. It, it, but, it has like the same yeah. vibe as like as as the thriller music video. And it, they have they have a move in their choreography that looks like the thriller yeah. um the thriller move that they do at, in the scene mm-hmm. in uh this is the end. Um and then they have all they have do this like choreographed dance in this like old Victorian haunted mansion with a bunch of other monsters and then it like cuts to black or something and they all wake up and they're normal again. And they're like, and one of them's like, hey, man, I had this crazy dream. We were all monsters. And the other one's like, I had the same dream and you were Dracula. And yeah. And the other one's like, yeah, man, I had the same dream. And then like they turn around and I think the driver is like a zombie or something. Yeah. And then that's like the end of the music video. Oh, and, and then they do they do like the little fish eye lens and yeah. they all just they show their faces just like screaming. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I remember being, like, this is a story. Like, they told me a story in this music video. Like, this was awesome. Uh, so, anyways, I just wanted to quickly dive into that because it's a great music it's video. It's one of my favorite music videos ever. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so good. I actually had the I had, I had a VHS tape that I bought, and it was just the making of that music video. That's so cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Bought it from a flea market. Did not hang out at that flea market, but. Nice. Um. Yeah, uh, they actually have a lot of great music videos. I probably should should have put that in there, because um, uh, "Quit Playing Games with My Heart" was is actually the one that they regret doing because it's how they were introduced in the U.S. But it's also one of the reasons why they got big in the U.S. because they're singing in the rain and like rolling yeah. their bodies with like six packs and stuff. So like that was on repeat for so many people. Yep. I'm sure that um, did them a lot of favors. Yep. And then you like listen to them talk about it. And Kevin is like mortified. He's like, I wish we had never come to the US <laughs> with this. Um, and Kevin was the 21 year old, by the way. <laughs> um yes. So uh wait, where was I? Yeah. Yes, the most successful singles from that, like I said, were Everybody Backstreet's Back and then As Long As You Love Me, which is Cheer dancing song. Uh, the two self-titled albums, the international debut and the U.S. debut, combined sold 28 million copies worldwide. Um, on June 2nd, 1999, the Backstreet Boys embarked into their Millennium Tour because um, prior to that, they released the Millennium album. And the reason I don't have it here is because I put that in the section about how they are the most top-selling uh, boy band ever. Um, but... The, the Millennium Tour is actually the first concert I ever went to. My mom and her two sisters saved up money um, as soon as the concert was announced uh, that they were going to be coming to San Antonio to buy us tickets. They didn't know how much it was going to be, but they all chipped in so that me and my cousins who were around the same age as me could all go together. And the moment that tickets went on sale, my, uh, my aunts were actually in line to buy us the tickets. Um, and we got them and we all went and it was like one of the best experiences ever. And, uh, it it was, it was just great. And I really wish I had been able to like process it more at that time because I was only like eight. So (laughs) that's um, awesome though. It was, it was fun. Uh, the Backstreet Boys were my first, uh, my first concert. So, um, 
But ultimately what ended up happening was the Millennium Tour comprised of 115 sold-out shows in 84 cities across the U.S. And then they ended up making additional dates because there was so much high demand for what they were doing. At this stage in the Backstreet Boys, this is peak U.S. career. They're consistently having to add more shows wherever, in any city that they're going to. They're booking TRL. They're, they're doing everything. They're doing the most. The second leg of the tour was sponsored by Sears and sold out on August 14th on its sale date, and they broke record sales. To put it in perspective, their tour for Millennium broke, in, broke every single record that had been held by any sort of, so uh, box markets, arena, box markets, box office markets, arena seating, arenas, number of times played in the city, all of that, they broke all those records on that tour. Um, the concert at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta was the fifth most attended concert in American history, not just for pop bands. And it was the most attended concert by a pop artist. And it um, I don't know if it still holds that record, huh. but when it happened, it did. Um, sponsored on Jan by Sears. Yes, yeah, sponsored by Sears. Which is the most 1990s thing ever. Like, yes. Yeah. They are also gone now, too. <laughs> not officially but yeah they're gone we went to like the closing of the one at our mall they're not officially bankrupt they just might as well be bankrupt <laughs> they just closed 250 of their 251 stores pretty much <laughs> um they also in 2001 kind of off this millennium hype uh performed uh the american national anthem at the super bowl in tampa florida because they are floridians for the most part the florida band um which is weird if you listen to them do interviews and stuff they have southern accents like yeah. they all sound very country which is like i feel like especially brian i feel like he could have had like a solo country career oh yeah right like Entirely. he kind of has that yeah. Like any of them, like maybe with the exception of AJ, like all of them could have gone into a country career. Well, maybe not Howie because he's brown, but right. like everybody else could have gone into to a country career fair, fairly sure. well, especially Brian. Brian actually has the thickest accent when you listen to him. Yep. Um. So they then they have their black and blue period, which I didn't really put in here because, I mean, I love a lot of the songs like uh, The Call, which is like pretty much all about like cheating on someone i think um, yep. which i didn't understand as a kid so singing that probably wasn't the best um but uh so we kind of cut that out it wasn't like the biggest in the u.s but they were getting like 100 million dollar contracts to go across latin america at this time um so that's pretty much what their black and blue period is um but their song incomplete in 2005 from their it's not the best album but it is from their come it's kind of like their comeback album because they have like a lull period where they're out um and the song it was uh from never gone um and it was released on radio stations in 2005 following the release of the single they embarked on their up close and personal tour um, that served as a pre-album release tour. And Incomplete ended up peaking at number 13 on the U.S. Top 100 charts. 
and charted within the top 10 in 13 other countries. And it ended up debuting at number one in Australia, becoming their first number one hit in that country. And this is like at the tail end of like their years for the most part. Like Black and Blue, at least for me, I don't know about you, Manny, but Black and Blue was actually the last CD I had bought from them. Yeah, Um, I think it was actually the same for me. Yeah. Because their sound changes a little when they go into Never Gone and they've kind of been through some crap. Um, After um, after spending more than a year recording, the Backstreet Boys finally released their comeback album, which is what Incomplete was on. But Incomplete had this entire run as a single for the most part um, in June of 2005. And the album ended up debuting at number three in the U.S., the same as their song. with uh, selling 291,000 copies. However, like I said, the drastic style change drew negative criticism from Rolling Stone as well as fans and other critics. Um, But with that being said, Never Gone was certified platinum in the US and four singles were released from the album. Um, The second single, Just Want You To Know, hit the top 10 in the UK. And the third single, Crawling Back To You for the US and I Still, for uh for the rest of the world um never gone sold approximately 10 million copies worldwide as of 2008 so even though they had started to kind of wane in the u.s when they made their comeback they came back strong yeah yeah (laughs) which is like not not a lot of musical artists can actually do Mm -mm. and do it well you know not at all um, is it because they, they went back to like kind of not like being, you know, more kind of crazy out there, but just like looking from because I the last like seven songs you said, I have no idea what they were. So I went to the good old YouTube and looked at the music videos. So all, what, the main thing I remember about the Backstreet Boys is their music videos were always dope. So I looked up Incomplete and the Incomplete was the most 2000s like lovey song thing ever. But then if you look at um, what was the other one you just said? in their comeback thing uh just want you to know i don't i don't doubt i don't, I can see like why that would be a top 10 in the uk should you think like even though there was that style change them going back to kind of being you know more out there kind of crazy with their videos helped probably yeah and i think like going I, I think like what a lot of musical and this is pure speculation i have no idea what i'm talking about but i feel like what a lot of musical artists kind of go through when they when they are like getting a little bit older is like that maturity thing, right? Like you look at, for example, Justin Bieber, right? Like all of his like little kid songs, I'm doing this in air quotes, and then they get like more sexual, they get more mature in their themes. And so like, I feel like they kind of tried to do that, but maybe they did it a little bit too quickly. And then they kind of reverted back to their like, Hey, we're just kids having fun kind of vibe. Um, and like pump the brakes on the maturity a little bit. I bet that helped. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think so too. Because I know, and I also I, I I would be interested to know what the music scenes are like in other countries. Because it seems like with the U.S., when they shift, they shift, and all the stuff that fell outside the trend just doesn't get played anymore. Yeah. So um, that was the whole point of being a boy band, not a like I guess like an older man band. An yeah, older man band. Uh, but the thing is, <laughs> we're not a boy band, we're a man band. No, <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny you say that because Kevin leaves after this because he he's tired of it, um, and they have the option to rebrand as Backstreet, um, but they they were like, no, 
we did this as the Backstreet Boys and we're still the Backstreet Boys. So yeah. they, as much as they started changing like their style, like trying to go a lot deeper, they still kept their brand as Backstreet Boys. Um, which is pretty interesting because I don't know what man likes being called a boy all their life. Yeah. It's like when <laughs> Lil, Lil Bow Wow was just Bow Wow. <laughs> Backstreet Boys are like, we will never change. <laughs> We're going to jump eight years because I'm going to skip some of their really crappy albums because you just don't need to know about that. And we should just go to the but why those. But ultimately, in 2016, they had they got their uh, nine show test residency in Vegas. Um, and I feel like if anybody knows music, the moment you get a residency in Vegas, you're like, you've made it. <laughs> yeah, it's what, it's what Gaga's doing right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like last like two years. Yep. Um, yeah, so, but why those? I've said it multiple times. They're the best-selling band, uh, boy band, in history. I have the top ten, um, starting from the back half. It's Take That, One Direction, Westlife, Boys to Men, In Sync at Ouch. seven. Not a not a good showing in sync, fans. <laughs> uh InSync only sold 70 million. Uh Bay City Rollers, the Jackson Five. The Osmonds, New Kids on the Block with 80 million. And then you have the Backstreet Boys, who outsold them all at 100 million albums wow. sold. Question. Um, yes. Question. And not to like discredit Backstreet Boys because inflation. Eight, no, no, not at all. Yeah, that was my question. What, well, inflation would be crazy. The Jackson 5 would have to be, even the Osmonds would have to be just way yeah. leaps and bounds above, right? Right. But I'm, I'm just talking about like, Beatles aren't on this because they're a rock band. Yes. They're classified rock band, even yes. though, like, they're kind they of boy, boy band, band Yeah. They are the man band. band. Oh, they're a man band? Okay. <laughs> they didn't have yes, a 13 no. year old. Is that, yeah, is that right? I, <laughs> I see what you're saying because we talked about it in our Beatles episode. Yeah. They did establish the tropes of boy band for the most part, but um, because this is US selling charts, um, and when they were in the US, mm. they were rock. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Thank you for clearing yeah. that up. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, but two things. One, I'm going to defend. One, we have inflation. But two. Oh, wait, no, it's not the. Yeah, no, it is selling in the US. Yes. Yes. But there are cool. three UK, uh, four UK bands. Okay. Hush. Okay. One, we have inflation. Two, looking at studio albums in general, NSYNC actually only produced four to get seven. You million. shut your dirty mouth, Matt. And New Kids on the <laughs> Block that anybody with six. Dude, the Osmonds had 22. 22. Yeah, and the Jackson 5 at 18. It's a lot of albums. It's a lot of albums. But 100 million with just nine is pretty good. Yes. That's pretty yep. good. Yep. I would like to see adjustment for inflation. I bet it would shuffle a little bit, but I bet the I bet Backstreet Boys would still be above in sync because they existed in roughly the exact same years. And yeah, I don't know how much it would change. But I would be interested to see that. Oh, no, no, no. We don't have to adjust for inflation. This is units. Oh. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Is this units uh, or is this uh, like money made? This is okay, units. Okay. Yeah, okay, claim okay. sales. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Actually, bro, our Patreon will be job. able to see that we can't uh, read our notes because we nope. missed the whole claimed sales thing. I yeah. thought Kate was going off the money. Okay. Two, one, then I don't know. Oh, man. Because we have 30. Do you think in five albums? NSYNC could get 30 million. I don't know. So I found another list 
that's Wikipedia is, but I found another list that has the Backstreet Boys sale or uh, units at 130, the Osmonds at 102, Jackson 5 at 100, New Kids at 80. So that's the same. Boys to Men at 60, Menudo at 60. Menudo sneaks in. Uh, I was wondering where Menudo was at in this, but yeah. I, wouldn't, I didn't want to um, ask. But it dropped in sync to 50. Oh, what? I think the takeaways there. Is that the, the person boys are still on top? The person who made that list is a Backstreet Boys fan. <laughs> be, fair, be fair in here. If you look at this, there is an asterisk next to NSYNC in this chart. That's part of their. That's part of their name. <laughs> that is a part of their name, Matt. Really? Yeah. No wonder I can't count Science brain is just going off. Of me. No wonder I can't count official. There's a there's a giant asterisk next. Yeah, to that's, you. that's 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 because it's in sync. What type of branding there, is that? It's the weirdest branding. It is. It's like they and forgot then, like, what an asterisk is for. Yeah, and the asterisk is really supposed to be like a an apostrophe because it's like yeah. in sync. It's like somebody hit the wrong button on the keyboard and they were like, whoop, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So we're dropping them even lower on this list. <laughs> yeah. This All of that being said, the Backstreet Boys earned their spot. Oh, for sure. Undisputed <laughs> champions. <laughs> um, so they were also one of the most successful debut artists in the world, collecting awards in both Dirt Church Starter for Best Newcomers in Germany's Via Comet Awards in 1986. Um, in 1989, I already mentioned it, they ended up releasing Millennium, and the album entered the Billboard 200 at number one and sold a record 1,134,000 copies in their first week. That's insane. Yeah, I owned that CD. I loved it with all my heart. Can you explain um, to the children what a CD is? <laughs> Back in my day. Um, it's like a frisbee that plays music. <laughs> oh, the, I just watched the Parks and Rec episode where uh, where Ben and Tom are DJing the dance. And the kid's like, I only listen to my music on CDs. It's how the artist intended it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, there were four singles that were released from Millennium. I Want It That Way. Um, which is an amazing song, Larger Than Life, Show Me the Meaning of Being Lonely, which is another amazing song, and The One. Yeah. I don't really like The One. I know a lot of people like it, but that one's not for me. Um, Millennium became the best-selling album of 1999 in the U.S., selling 9,445,732,000 copies wow. that you year. You totally said that completely wrong. Did I? Matt, yes. can you say it? Nine million four hundred forty-five thousand seven hundred and thirty-two copies. There you go. <laughs> numbers aren't my thing, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I went. I went to go look at the charts. I was curious, like with all that music that's come out in like the last whatever years, Millennium is still twelve on that list, and like mm -hmm. nothing that's come, you know, in the nineties is really everything else has come like the the last what one two. Three, four of these all came in like the 2010s. So, what do you wow. mean for the like, top uh, top albums? Yeah, like the ones above Millennium. So above Millennium, we have Adele. Oh, you're not gonna like this. You're not gonna like this. Two in sync albums. <laughs> <laughs> no strings attached at 2000 or two million point oh, four. <laughs> Celebrity at one point eight, and then uh, Marshall Mathers. Wait, no, no. Oh. What, what was no? What was what was that total for those in sync ones? 
2.4 million. Why is that above Backstreet Boys? I, I don't know. Because the total sales for that in that year. No, I'm talking about like that. You, I'm talking about your fastest selling. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Better. Yeah, yeah. In uh, sync, so they have 2.4 and 1.8. Then Eminem at 1.7, and then Black and Blue at 1.5, hmm. and then Millennium at 1.1. So they still got two in that top 15, yeah. which is super good. But I did not see In Sync coming with those big ones. They they they, they had a substantial moment, but I actually didn't know that Black and Blue made sold that fast or that much. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it I did. know it I had top it. Five, but in the so US. Part of it, was it sold a lot very fast because people were so excited they were back, and then kind of like, oh, this this is this is this. Well, no, they it wasn't one that they came back from. Like this, like uh, if I remember correctly, Black and Blue comes off like really really soon after Millennium. Well, yeah. and that's what, well, well, whatever. All I know is the next one right after that people, I remember people bought it immediately because they love the Backstreet Boys. And then they're like, we bought this and now we're playing Frisbees with it. <laughs> yes, that was the one with Incomplete on it. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty good, man. Like back to back years and then have two in that list. Yep. And your comeback, like this isn't even, we're yeah. like kind of past the peak thing, right? Uh, like, no, yeah. this is this is peak. Or like a little over the edge in the in the black and blue now? No. Is it Millennium it's, it's, Peak? Or we're yeah, still millenn- in the peak? Yeah, Millennium is peak and then black and blue is the year after. Like it's released immediately after. And then they go away and then they come back in 2005 with Never Gone. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Millennium is still, like if you look at Canada, it's number three on Canada's list still. <laughs> Only beat out by Celine Dion and Adele. So not so surprised. Canadian, so Canadians love them some Backstreet Boys. Yeah, clearly. Um, so Millennium remained on oh, Millennium also holds the record for most shipments in one year at 11 million copies or 11 million shipments. 11 million shipments. Um, Millennium remained on the Billboard chart for 93 weeks, eventually selling over 12 million copies in the in the United States over that run, and it was certified platinum 13 times. Damn. As of January 2013, the album stands as the fourth best-selling album in the U.S. of the sound, sound scan era. And I think that means CD. Yeah, um, so like, I don't know how we would even adjust that Like, what, for like, stuff that comes out now. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. Music is not a thing anymore. I mean, music is a thing now. Albums, I don't think, are a thing. It's no. perpetual singles. Um, on it's weird. Determine- we, we went from, like, you start with singles to where we get the album to now we're back to you just get singles. Yeah. Um, so I know I mentioned their Vegas residency. Well, on September 23rd in 2017, the Backstreet Boys confirmed their Vegas residency has start had started, titled Backstreet Boys Larger Than Life. And going back a little bit, um, in 2015, Richardson and Latrell were inducted into the Kentucky Music Hall of Fame. Uh, Backstreet Boys also have a Hollywood star, too. Um, their albums nice. come out like this, Backstreet Boys, Backstreet's Back, Millennium, Black and, Bo- Black and Blue, Never Gone, Unbreakable, This Is Us, In a World Like This, and then DNA is an album that they just released this year. Which is crazy. Yeah. And awesome. <laughs> um, so now we're going to talk about Lou Pearlman. Because uh, he was a terrible guy. But he is the reason the Backstreet Boys started. Um, so Lou Pearlman pretty much single-handedly crafted the boy band craze of the 2000s. Um, Lou is also behind the creation of NSYNC. 
essentially what Lou Perlman did was he created InSync as an exact mirror of the Backstreet Boys minus the singing. And he did that because um, he wanted to create competition in the market, but he also wanted a way to push the guys because at this point, the Backstreet Boys are running themselves entirely ragged. And what would happen was that if the Backstreet Boys said no to a performance, yes, he would come in and take that performance in sync. They were the second string team. Yep. They were literally made to be exactly the Backstreet Boys. And we're there to pretty much make sure the Backstreet Boys didn't stop working. Um, which is, like, that's at least on there. From I don't know if they had any beef with them, but Lou Pearlman didn't say that he was doing any of this. And then all of a sudden, NSYNC is there, and the Backstreet Boys are just like, what the hell? What just happened? Um, so Latrell bought, ended up bringing, uh, Brian Latrell ended up bringing a lawsuit against Lou Pearlman and Transcontinental, which was their record company, uh, I think it was a record company or management company, but, and in 1998, claiming that Pearlman had not been truthful about the earnings made by the group. From 1993 to 1997, Pearlman and his company, company took about 10 million in revenue, while the band only got 300,000. Um, in the following year, AJ, Kevin, and Howie joined the lawsuit, which eventually resulted in a number of settlements. Essentially, what Lou Pearlman was doing was he was taking a sixth of everything that the boy made, uh, the boys made as his cut, and that is illegal for a manager to do. They're supposed to only take one-sixth of overall, not one-sixth of everything, correct? Uh, I don't have that number. Okay. Well, I meant yeah. like for legality. I think it, it, it it's a super, yeah, there's there's a legal number they have to take, but what essentially he saw himself as the sixth member of the Backstreet Boys right, right. and said he got a cut. Um, the Backstreet Boys members were due in court um, in 2014 over a claim that they had filed with him, and the group alleged that Perlman, even after the settlement, still owed them over uh, $3 million, and that they were also asking for an additional, uh, rounded up to 88 $88,000 in legal fees for having to fight him in court for years. But earlier that month, the group stated that they have a scheduling conflict and discussed postponing the hearing by 90 days. In, in October of 2014, the group received a settlement of $99,000 in cash, 34 audio tape reels, 26 CDs, seven studio mastering audio tapes, six sealed posters, three audio cassettes, and one VHS, uh, one VHS tape. The recordings include some unreleased mixes and demos, as well as original uh, original materials. They took his VHS tape? Yep. They took that thing? Oh, um, no. I would, too. I don't know what's more, like, <laughs> fascinating about this, the fact that, like, he owed them over almost $3.5 or the fact that legal fees cost $88,000. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts, yeah. Like, I'm suing you because I've got robbed, but it cost me $88,000. Right, right. But the VHS tape, Matt. Oh, I know. If you cost me $88,000 in legal fees, I might take in your toilet paper, not just your VHS tape. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, that is essentially what happens to Lou Perlman later on. Uh, or um, In 2007, he was arrested for investment fraud. And after everything was said and done with that trial... He ended up owing, I believe it was $300 million, and he was running the longest, uh, the largest Ponzi scheme of all time. 
Um, and it was all investment fraud. So they seized Jeez. this house, gutted it, and sold everything inside of it to pay back those debts. Wow. Yeah. Um, outside of music, uh, a little bit outside of music, uh, the Backstreet Boys cruises have been a thing since 2010. I still really, really want to go on, the, on one because, like, all of them are there. Um, they're so into that. It would be so great just getting drunk and listening to Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Like, Sounds like my Saturday nights <laughs> <laughs> by myself. <laughs> or your or your 1999s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, their documentary movie titled Backstreet Boys, Show Them What You're Made Of, was released in theaters and online on January 30th of 2015 in the U.S. and February 26th in 2015 in the U.K. and Europe, and then ended up going worldwide in March. That movie chronicles their entire journey up to the making of their 2013 album in a world like this. The group also made a cameo in the 2013 movie, This is the End, as a fictional version of themselves performing Everybody, um, which earned them an award for Best Musical Moment at the MTV Movie Awards. And in December of 2013, the Backstreet Boys performed two original Christmas songs as marquee performers um, at the Christmas in Washington TV special. So the one in the, this is the end, is actually a pretty cool moment. So it's I'm a glad really to... great moment. Yeah. Awesome. It, is, yeah. it is a perfect moment to end it's, a movie. Yeah, it's one of those, it may, you may not be a Factory Boys fan or anything, but that moment and everything like is great. Yeah, and it's totally it's so, out of nowhere. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's so unexpected. And it's very, like, it's hilarious that like Seth Rogen and his crew is like, Hey, what if Backstreet Boys were just in heaven waiting for us? <laughs> like that's amazing. That's so funny. It's like just comedic. It's it's golden. Um. So the group. Uh. Wait. Yeah. So this is probably the craziest piece here. In August of 2015, band members Nick Howie and AJ filmed a movie that Nick wrote entitled Dead Seven. The film centers around a ragtag band of gunslingers operating during a post-apocalyptic zombie plague. The movie premiered April 1st of 2016 on the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, a free copy of the theme song in the end was released on March 28th of that year, and it was performed by Nick, AJ, and Howie. Uh, Joey Fatone and Chris per uh, and Chris per Kirp, uh, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC also appeared in the movie, as well as Jeff Timmons of 98 degrees he was like the least good person of 98 degrees um <laughs> eric michael estrada from o-town which i forgot o-town was a thing until i put this in the notes um but it totally was and uh the official physical dvd was released in june of 2016 have you seen it i have not seen it it's i'm looking at some of these i'm looking at some of these pictures on uh on the google it kind of looks pretty good i'm kind of into it Amazon yeah, I might have to go watch this because this doesn't look too bad. I, I'm, I, I kind of want to. How see long it. is the movie? I think it's an hour that's thirty. Good, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. three point two nine DV, but a sixty-eight percent Google score. So Ooh, I'm gonna have to go. Free. With... It's free Ooh. on Amazon Prime. Ooh. If the Googles don't like it, then we're probably in trouble. No, it's seventy-eight percent. That's good. Google's like you know, it. The, the Google's like everybody likes the Googles. Oh, seventy-eight percent bad on Google. Sorry, it is. The other, the last, oh, one of the last, but why those is that they're a family pretty much. Uh, from the moment they've been together, they've seen each other through pretty much everything. In uh, November 1987, doctors discovered that a congen congenital hole in Latrell's heart had enlarged to a dangerous proportion. 
And Latrell ended up postponing his open heart surgery so that he could meet touring obligations. Is that because of Lou Pearlman or is that literally because? That was because of him. Like he chose to do that. Um, And then he he was forced to have the surgery in 1998 during one of the tours. Um, And then the group postponed that tour until July of 1998 to give Latrell time to recover. Um, And I remember this happening and being very sad. That's crazy. Um, a number of guys uh, on top of this, namely um, Nick and AJ had long and public battles with alcohol and drug abuse. Um, have uh, for Nick specifically having joined the band when he was 13. Yeah, another band member 21. Yeah, he joined <laughs> the band when he was 13. Um, but apparently Nick had been drinking since he was nine years old, or at least that's what he said. Kevin, the 21 year old, uh, is. Both uh, both AJ and Nick credit Kevin for helping them get clean and sober. Um, and essentially what happened with AJ, um, AJ's uh, battle with, you know, addiction mostly came from trying to like rebel against the boy band um, idea. Um, huh. And he ended up, he called it a, he's called it a coke coma a whole bunch in different interviews. Um, when they were there to sing the national anthem in Boston, um, at a, at a, at a Red Sox game. And Kevin ended up breaking down AJ's hotel room door, um, and then staging an intervention for him. Uh, and that was, that was what helped AJ get clean. Wow. Um, that is yeah. baller. Yeah. Um, it, it's really if you watch the the interviews where Kevin's talking about it, he's just like he 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 remembers it as him just being pissed. Like he was like AJ wasn't responding to anything. We were gonna have to go on without him, and we don't do anything not together. He was like, and I was kind of worried, but I was mostly pissed. And he said that um, uh, he just pretty much just did whatever he could to break the door down. Uh, literally Damn. broke the hotel, the hotel room door tried to break the second door that was locked couldn't because it had been kind of like he aj kind of barricaded himself in there um but they he just kind of waited there and stayed to the intervention afterwards but um yeah that's a good friend <laughs> however in june of 2006 richardson actually left the backstreet boys for a period of time uh, to pursue other interests. Uh, Both Richardson and the rest of the group issued a statement on their official site stating that he departed amicably and that the door was always open for him to return. Following Richardson's departure, it was, and I mentioned this, the the group um, thought about changing their name to Backstreet but decided against it. And they also turned down an offer to star in a reality TV show to find a new uh, new member and musicians uh, who would exp- and on top of that, musicians who would express their interest in replacing Richardson was um, Sam Licata and uh, former NSYNC members Lance Bass and Joey Patone. Uh, so they- is that automatically like disqualifies NSYNC if you're actually trying to like audition to be with Backstreet Boys? No, a little bit. But in 2012, Richardson rejoined them uh, permanently during a show in London. And a few days later, Brian and AJ revealed on separate occasions that Richardson had actually been returned since 2010 before the NKOTBSB tour had started. Um, which the I what? Went, yeah. 
So um, I probably should have put this there. Um, yeah. You could have a bunch of letters. <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to put it together in my head and I just couldn't. So what happened in 2010, they started the NKOT BSB tour, which is New Kids on the Block and Backstreet Boys. That's what I thought. But I was like, is that I went to it in 2010 as a graduation gift. And it was amazing. And it was a bunch of really drunk older women, like from like my age, which was like, I think it was 18 at the time, to like 40s, just like drinking hurricanes in the AT&T Center in San Antonio. That's so funny. It's like all the, it's like the, the cross-generational boy band fan club. And it was, when was this tour again? Uh, 2010 and 2011. I, I kind of want to see this. It's fun. So it was dope. It was so good. I mean, everybody but Mark Wahlberg and Kevin were there. But, like, it was so good. That sounds super rad. So good. And they all really perform, like, amazingly. It, it's That's so awesome. fun. That's uh, crazy. So, so fun. Um, I have that shirt, by the way. Um, and the chant is actually really fun. Anyway... Um, the tour had already been announced when Kevin had come back in 2010, but because they didn't want to uh, kind of mess with the tour scheduling, they ended up keeping it under wraps until 2012. Um, and everybody supported his decision, which for me, I was pissed because I went to that tour without Kevin and the songs do not sound the same when he is not there because he has the deepest voice. Right. So, oh, yeah. You got to have the bass. Harmonizing, and it sucked because I, when I was in, when I was there and watching it, I totally knew which parts were supposed to be sung by Kevin, which kind of sucked. You should have written this. This is not where or where is Kevin? Where, <laughs> bring back Kevin. Uh huh. Um. So now we go into like the not good thing about the Backstreet Boys and them being a family. And that is that uh, Nick Carter was accused of sexually assaulting someone in 2003. Uh, but due to statute of limitations and not enough evidence, California did not, uh, the DA of California uh, in, in California did not uh, go forward with the, per with the case for prosecution. And the guys stood by him. And obviously it did not go over well understandably so um but yeah i had to put that in there because if i didn't it seemed kind of like a disservice so that For happened sure. <laughs> yeah no but it, it sucks and it is one of the things that sucks about like um like tours now and stuff it's kind of you you have to make that choice as an individual if you're going to support the band as a whole even though he's still a part of it um and just that kind of stuff but yeah i didn't um, even know that happened that's crazy yeah, it, it 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 happened back uh a while back. Um I think it happened like last year or the year before when I think it might have been the year before um that she came forward, but it it it, it the sexual assault happened in 2003. Um mm -hmm. of course he denied everything. Uh the guy stuck by him. She um she took it to court, but they event they decided not to pursue any charges. Um both for statute and uh just evidence reasons. Hmm. It's unfortunate. Yeah, but I had to put it in here. 
that being said, I did want to end on a better note in that one of the, like the biggest, but why, and, and not necessarily a better note, but like the biggest, but why though, is their style. Um, like I said earlier, the boys entirely harmonized every single song. Um, they prided themselves on being a vocal harmony group and not just a boy band in essentially the reason they did this was to fight the boy band stereotype as well as avoid the backlash that stuff like uh, new kids on the block got because they lip synced. Um, there was that, there was a scandal going on um, prior to that uh, when they were becoming um, when they were kind of getting big. And so they took that opportunity to sing acapella every chance they got. Essentially, they looked, uh, we kind of mentioned it before, they looked to Boys to Men as, a, as an example of what they could do vocally. Um, that, was who, that was their biggest influence. Uh, the, style, the visual style was just New Kids, but Boys to Men was their ultimate um, like voice style. Um, and the Backstreet Boys often employ a polyphonic harmony, which sets them apart from many other singing groups. In choruses, Latrell, Carter, and McLean usually sing the melody while uh, Duro, Howie, uh, harmonizing above the melody and Richardson covering the bass parts. Um, and this is the reason why it sucked when he wasn't with the band is because during Richardson's absence, AJ and Nick uh, covered his parts of the chorus while Howie took the solo parts. And it's not that Howie is a bad singer. It's that Howie's voice doesn't have the bass that it needs to make the sound the the song sound like it should um now the cool thing is is at their concerts they always work in acapella sections uh specifically for ballads like the perfect fan um and it is specifically what separated them from in sync um in sync could dance extremely well uh but the backstreet boys could do both and they could do both live there are a bunch of instances where their music actually cut out and they were able to complete the set and the sh uh, the set and the, the song and the set uh, because they knew how to sing all of their songs in perfect harmony, which really set them apart. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, and then I like them more now. <laughs> <laughs> they were yeah, talented. The, uh, yeah, the, the, the barbershop quartet in me likes them more now. <laughs> as as the base of uh, my former barbershop quartet <laughs> um so the fun facts but it's not really a fun fact this kind of just goes in their style one of the things that has sucked over the years for them um sound like sound wise is because brian actually suffers from uh vocal tension dysphonia which means the muscles around his vocal cord are hardening slowly and so he's not able to sing like he used to um that's which, rough for a former singer i bet yeah so uh they've kind of just been making their way through but he's having like they're having to rearrange a lot of the songs um and then uh this is a fun fact in 1992 aj lived in the same building as Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, and Ryan Gosling. Imagine if those people started a band together. That'd be pretty <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, that's all I have for Backstreet Boys. That's awesome. I feel like I learned way more than I already knew. And I feel like I already knew a lot. <laughs> so I feel like I need to go like spread the gospel of the Backstreet Boys even more so. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I feel like I learned a lot, and people are going to be impressed by my knowledge of the Backstreet Boys, even though I wasn't a huge follower. It's like, <laughs> hey, did you know that XYZ happened with the Backstreet Boys? 
then they're gonna be like, "What are you like a huge fan?" You're like, "Not really. I just kind of." <laughs> I mean, doesn't everybody know that? What's wrong with you? Don't yeah. you know them? Don't yeah, you know exactly. about the cultural significance of the Backstreet Boys? This is how you build out a well-rounded pub quiz team. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it. I guess uh, final thoughts on things. I think uh, I need to check this documentary out. It's really good. Uh, and actually just saw on YouTube, it looks like there's a documentary about um, Lou Perlman. Ooh. Oh, uh, yeah. It's uh, the boy band con. Yeah. Yeah. So I might need here. to watch that as well. Yeah. Seems pretty interesting. Um, I I learned by looking at all the Lou, because I didn't even put in all the Lou Perlman stuff, but like almost all of the boy bands he rapped sued him because uh, he did this to everybody. Yeah, and I'm kind of just like, wow, people in Hollywood really don't know how to manage their money, or like celebrities. But then I guess it's also like their kids who don't know anything and they get taken right. advantage of, just like athletes. And it's funny because, or it's not funny, but it's just it's interesting because, like, I feel like that's the same thing that we would hear about um, a lot, a lot of Motown artists, um, yeah. like in the '50s and the '60s. Like a lot of artists were taken advantage of, and there was definitely different reasons for that. Um, you know during those times because i'm sure there are a lot of racial reasons but yeah. it's interesting that like the concept of taking advantage of like young dumb talented artists um has like been a thing forever yeah like jerry heller from nwa comes to mind and kate was going through that section and i was like man like this stuff has been going on for a long time yeah yeah well, i mean we can talk about anything like kate kind of mentioned but athletes there's plenty of i think there's a few 30 for 30s on like athletes that have been involved in Ponzi schemes. And then they lost everything. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Final thoughts. Uh, I'll go first. I mean, I I learned a bunch. Like I didn't think um I mean, I don't really have a lot to add to like the Backstreet Boys episode of our podcast, but I feel like I learned a lot, which I really appreciate on episodes like this where I don't really know about the thing we're talking about. Um but I I learned a lot about them that I didn't really know before. And while I may know more in sync songs, I think I like the Backstreet Boys more. I'm going to go listen to some more songs and go watch more music videos where I don't know who it is, but one of these dudes is dressed like Bumblebee in the Millennium video. And it's kind of awesome. Oh, yeah. I think that's, is it, it's, I think that's Nick Carter. Is it Nick Carter? Blonde like, hair, kind of yeah. bowl yeah. cut kind of thing. Yeah, it looks dope. So, yeah. <laughs> so I need to go watch more videos of them. Uh, regardless of like Justin Timberlake is bigger or whatever, whatever the case is, I think NSYNC has like the better music. Like musically, when you're talking about like the the harmonies and things like that, like that's super hard to do, and I appreciate them more now for it. Um, yeah, thanks, Kate. Appreciate it. It was a good episode. I hope our listeners learned a lot too. As a person who loves the '90s music, I still will not go back and listen to this. I'm sorry. You will. But... We're in the car together. <clears throat> this is true, but <laughs> there is no denying. Like I remember 1999 when this when Millennia hit it and all like even 1997 like people were obsessed with this stuff like it was on radios everywhere and to say that like they didn't do anything you just can't actually deny from like how big that like four year stretch was that they had yeah i think for me like i want to like call my older sister and be like how good were these albums and like we could go through the whole because i remember so i have two older sisters and an older brother my my brother was like too old and and too cool for school and my oldest sister was like kind of too old as well, but 
my the sister that's four and a half years older than me like we kind of had the same music taste and so we would always get that same albums for christmas um and we would go through we would listen to them all the time so i feel like we could go through all of the albums and know every track um so i might do that after this because i'm just like all backstreet boys jazzed up again that's what i'm saying like as much as like i can say like i don't prefer thing like to say i don't know the songs is just absurd just because of how much they played right right yeah like I could probably actually sing a few of these, whether I liked it or not, because of how much yep. and how big they were. Yep. And the music videos were just they were really, really good. They were so good. Also, I'm gonna go watch Quit Playing Games with My Heart like ten different times tonight. It's nice. so good. <laughs> for reasons. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thank you again for coming on, Manny. Why don't you tell people where they can find you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I am on Twitter. Um, you can find me at. Uh, I am Jitsu. That's uh, I am and uh, J I T S U. Uh, yeah, I I tweet a lot about video games, and I'll probably be tweeting a lot about Backstreet Boys now. Uh, so yeah, check me out there. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. This was awesome. It was like a really good trip down memory lane, um, and like bringing me back to some memories that I that I think back on very fondly. So I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. And I mean, I don't just mean disrespect to our other guests, but like you still probably have the top story <laughs> that we ever had. And if that anybody, and if some parent ever has this video of some random child singing that, it's nice yeah. and I, can we please yeah. get a hold of that? Yeah, like, the tapes. <laughs> yeah, where's our VHS tape? Yeah. Um, yeah, like, like, like I said, like we've had really passionate guests before who've given like really, really great, great soliloquies about like, their passion for it but none of them have gotten an encore <laughs> like in a talent <laughs> show for their things so it was it was a, it super was a big awesome. moment so yeah, i appreciate it, that Thanks, it, it shows it shows the passion like, <laughs> no, like no other so it's good times it's, it's you know it's great. the boys transcend all music tastes and ages and and yeah. races and people yeah there's your but why though right there yeah and they actually are the longest performing boy band that's crazy yeah, they've they're hitting what is it? Twenty their twentieth was in two thousand and thirteen. Yep. Yeah. Well that was incorrect if you're right? considering that Boys to Man, according to Thanks, says they are still present and they are actually from nineteen eighty eight. Oh, that's right. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. No disrespect to Boys to Men. No disrespect to Boys to Men at all. Okay. For sure. Boys to Men. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna take us out. Um like I said at the top of the show. 100th episode coming up. Send us questions. Ask us things. Help us get pretty drunk on our uh, drinking game that we're going to be doing. Uh, and yeah, Alex is going to be our Oscars host and talk with us and moderate it so that we can get through all the questions. Uh, send them to up at Wido PC on Twitter or email them to us up at Wido podcast at gmail.com. And you can find me at Oh My Myth Randier on Twitter. Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. At Super Reese 93, S U P E R R U I Z 93. Matt? I'm going to go find a bus driver that turned into a zombie because that is very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought you were going to go with. I thought you were going to go oh. definitely space because of Millennium, but uh, okay. I saw that music video. There was nothing to do with space in that video. <laughs> <laughs> the Millennium one where they're like literally in space? 
Is that not the one where it's like all white and they're like in no. solid silver? No, it's like they're like some Battlestar Galactica type. Larger than life is the one in like mechs and outer space. Yep, that's right. The one all in white is their ballad from that album. I got the album right. Any super great time, buddy. Thank you so much yeah, for your yeah, man. Yes, your thank story. you for coming on. Of course, yeah, this was super fun. I, I and again, I haven't done the podcasting in a while, so uh, it was fun to get back into it. The song you're referring to is I Want It That Way, Matt. Same album for fun. Right. 